Hello everybody, welcome back to the WTF1 podcast, That Time When edition. We are going back into the history of Formula One to reminisce on some tales of just some rather interesting stuff. This week we are talking about That Time When Max Verstappen won on his Red Bull debut. Now, joining me in the virtual podcast booth is none other than WTF1 founder and resident Max Verstappen fanboy. I don't think fanboy even really describes you, Tommy. It's Tom Bellingham. Hello. Glad to be back. And I've done that. There was kind of an intro like there isn't another guest. And of course, (laughs) in the third box, or however you want to see it, is our WTF1 editor, Katie Fairman. Katie, I don't know what to label you, uh, because I don't think you are a Max Verstappen fanboy or girl. Are you a Red Bull fan girl? Um... I suppose so. I don't. I'm oh, one of these boring wow. people. I don't really have a favourite team or driver or anything. I'm I suppose so, involved. but then you're also saying you're not a fan. Okay, all right, we've we've gone. Okay, cool. All right, I'm sure. impartial. You're impartial, but maybe a tiny bit fangirl. Either way, we're talking about Max Verstappen and that crazy 2016 Spanish Grand Prix where, uh, well. The two Mercedes collided, didn't they? But before we get into that, let's talk about the early career of Max Verstappen, although it is still very much the early stages of his career, it has to be said, isn't it? And uh, Tommy, you probably know this off by heart. You probably have his entire career timeline uh, just posted up on your your bedroom wall. Uh, So, you know, do you want to take us through, you know, Max being in a Formula 3 car at four years old? I mean, I can do, yeah. It's on my uh, wall. No, it's not really. Um, Yeah, so Max Verstappen went straight from karting into the F3 championship. He won loads in karting. Actually found um, in 2013, he won the South Garda Winter Cup, the FIA European Championship, the Euro Series in the KZ1 class, the Masters Series, the FIA European Championship, and the FIA World KZ Championship. So he won a lot in karting. There was already a bit of hype, but then, yeah, went into the F3 championship and created even more of a hype train when he won 10 races essentially in his debut year for a team which while it's a spec series maybe not the best team um i'm trying to find let me find his yeah so his teammates were 11th in the championship and 20th and scored one podium between them whereas max got 10 wins and 16 podiums so he definitely was outperforming the car that year and yeah once he was doing that there was just this massive hype train about him were you the conductor oh were yeah you, were you of right at the front when when did you jump on this hype train out of interest? Uh, when he started in formula three it was kind of like oh okay like this guy seems really good and also you know Ooh. verstappen yeah. verstappen uh name again back in motorsport and i, I watched a couple of his f3 races and you know, he's he was even more of the bin or win kind of driver than he is now. Uh, and as a kind of fan of the likes of Montoya and people like that, he was very much my, my kind of driver to support. So, yeah, he was uh, an exciting driver to watch back then, uh, as he is now, really. Insane stuff. We're not worthy of your company, Tommy. <laughs> But yeah, like you say, he went from karting into the F3 championship, which is something that not many drivers do. People like Callum Eilat has done the same, but he was granted an FIA international race license, which allowed him to make that jump into F3. 
Uh, but he won 10 races in his first year in F3, which is amazing, but he still only finished the championship in third. Uh, in fact, it was uh, another, Esteban, another rookie, Esteban Ocon, who actually won the championship in 2014. Uh, but yeah, like you say, a lot of attention on him. I'm sure the surname probably helped things, but he was certainly a very uh, exciting upcoming driver. So, well, Imagine having 10 wins and 16 podiums and still not winning the title. That is... That is quite some going. Is that because the rest of the time he binned it? Yeah, I mean, you look at his results and it was pretty much podium or retire, um, which is very Max Verstappen, <laughs> isn't it? He, In fact, he retired from quite eight a few times. races. Yeah, eight times. Uh, but, eight uh, times. One did not, did not start. Yeah, five, uh, well, six races he either retired or did not start early on. But then the real hype train sort of kicked off when he won six consecutive races in a row which in a spec series is pretty, like, wild. Uh, yeah, won three races at Spa and three races at the Norris Ring, no relation to Lando. And, uh, yeah, that that was when it was like, okay, this guy is pretty special and there's a lot of hype around him. Well, uh, I think the buzzword for this podcast is hype, isn't it? So uh, <laughs> and the hype train continued uh, at the end of 2014 when uh, the Red Bull Junior team uh, decided to sign him up and well I don't think anyone really saw uh, the the turnaround between him being signed up by Red Bull and actually being a Formula One driver uh, for the 2015 season which of course you know gave a lot of talking points because he was only 17 wasn't he if, if I remember correctly and um, Six, a lot of people were discussing whether 16, 16 at the time signed. Yeah. 16 at the time that is yeah, ridiculous, ridiculous. um <laughs> And and the fact that, you know, there was a lot of talking points about whether he was too young, you know, was there something missing in the, the, the F1 sort of driver license regs to, to stop such young talents coming into Formula One. Um, but he was announced at Toro Rosso in 2015 and basically said F all the haters and uh, showed quite a bit of performance straight away, didn't he? He did. There was a lot of, um, yeah, I guess a lot of uh, people like, oh, it's way too young to be in Formula One. He shouldn't be in in Formula One um, and then that's when they actually announced the point system that we have now um, to stop this happening but then obviously he's got into Formula One and has been arguably one of the best drivers to get into Formula <laughs> One so it's kind of like do you really want to stop people like that coming in but I guess it's you know it's not everyone's like that but the you mentioned about the the junior team and how quickly it was I was actually working for Red Bull around this time uh, and I remember it being very sort of quick how how it kind of went from hype to let's get him in the junior team to announcing him as a driver uh, and I went back through and found the the articles and and dates so on uh, August the 12th 2014 so yeah he was 16 at this point uh, Max Verstappen was announced as a Red Bull junior driver then on the 16th of August was the race at the Nürburgring, which was his first race as a Red Bull junior driver, which he won. And then on the 18th of August, Red Bull announced he was going to be driving for Toro Rosso in 2015. So two days after his debut with the Red Bull junior team, he turned up, won the race, and they were like, right, you're an F1. <laughs> Mad. Here are the keys. Yeah. 
It's, it's crazy, isn't it? I was definitely one of the people that at the time was thinking, no, nah, this is far too young. He's a child. He should not be allowed behind the wheel of an F1 car. Uh, and obviously, like we say, there was a lot of excitement around him as he was the son of F1 podium finisher Jos Verstappen. But still, 16 years old and then to be 17 years old when you make your F1 debut, I was still thinking this is too young. And I, I'm sure everybody did the same thinking, well, when I was 17, I hadn't even done this, this and this. And this kid is managing to jump in an F1 car. How, how is this fair? But like Tommy said, he has well and truly proved himself as being ready for the opportunity. And uh, is it's super exciting to see what to think about what else he's going to achieve further down the line. But we won't talk about that. It yet. is crazy, actually, where, where you mentioned that about you know, not not thinking it was good enough. There was so much media attention on it, and something mm. something that I just remembered actually that uh, now you mention it, he actually crashed a show car. Um, he was doing a show car run yes. and was doing donuts. Sixteen years old at the time, and took the front wing off. And you know that was just another thing that everyone could be like, "This this is madness! Already- what a rebel doing? Why are they putting this sixteen year old kid in a car? It's it was just ridiculous." But well, we'll find out what happens. Helmet I'm sure Marco. everyone knows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Were you a doubter at the time, Tommy? I knew there was, well, not a doubter. It was a little bit like, why is he, like, why they're rushing him so early? Because Jos Verstappen um, was a very similar prospect, although it seems laughable now to think that, you know, Jos didn't exactly achieve much in Formula One, really. Um but he he was the same. He was massively hyped up uh, junior series and came in way too young, very little experience, and just flopped. And there was a lot of people, um, including a little doubt in my mind that it might be the same story with Max that he's just getting in way too early. Whereas you know if he's just good, have another series in uh, Formula Three with maybe a top team, win the championship, then go to Formula Two, which is the normal traditional route. Um, but for him to go karting formula three f1 so two years apart between karting and formula one is almost unheard of i mean kimi raikkonen's the only other driver i can think of that did that it's a serious fast track isn't it serious fast track uh through uh well yeah through the ranks of motorsport and you can imagine a lot of jealous drivers a lot of uh that 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 hate was probably just pure jealousy and and you know what we've mentioned at the fact that you know, when I was 17, I was in sixth form, not having a clue what I wanted to do. So, you know, there's a lot of people that were, were a little bit resentful of that. But um, but yeah, we, we, we've mentioned that his, his first season with Toro Rosso was, was impressive. Um, and then he then stayed on with the team for the 2016 season, which is when it starts to get a little bit spicy, doesn't it? Because over on the Red Bull side of things, uh, we had uh, Mr. Danny Kvyat, uh, who was basically given the, the shot, wasn't he, uh, in, in that top seat i guess it's not not as probably not as quick as they are now would you say yeah he, he but, replaced vettel didn't he when vettel decided to go to yeah. um uh ferrari and it was a very quick decision that i think they were caught a bit surprised by it and was like okay and then they yeah promoted him up. yeah it wasn't so much a rosberg retiring from mercedes situation but it was still a kind of oh vettel's leaving okay yeah and then they had to get someone in danny kvyat was that person um, and if we take a look at the, the 2016 Russian Grand Prix, that was when Kvyat actually crashed into Vettel, didn't he? <laughs> he did. And th- this is the time where Vettel 
was still you know a recent red bull driver uh things ended pretty uh, they didn't end badly so you know you see when Vettel talks to Christian Horner and Helmut Marko, he's almost like their kind of son almost that they, they have massive respect <laughs> for and still chat and are really good friends. So, um, yeah, the Russian Grand Prix after, you know, Max had a really good debut season, but then Kvyat had a, a pretty good first season alongside Ricardo in 2015. I think he actually scored more points than uh, yeah, Daniel Ricardo. Yeah, which is impressive. Um, but yeah, start of 2016, Kvyat, the, the funniest thing, before the Russian Grand Prix, Kvyat actually scored a podium. Uh, China, China yeah, which is the China. famous... Where where he also had a run-in with yeah. Vettel, didn't he? Where he, uh, well, that was where the torpedo mean It was, yeah. yeah so, From the cool-down room. Yeah, so he dived down the inside of Vettel at turn one, and Vettel said, you know, he came in like a torpedo, and that kind of meme was, was born. And then the very next race, you think, well, you know, Kvyat's... Scored a podium, he's doing well, he had a good season last year and has, well, the biggest shocker of all shockers when he crashes into Vettel, not once, but twice. Not great. That was, yeah, that was drama. I mean, Kvyat, we all know Kvyat is a talented racing driver, but it's just unfortunate that he has very high highs and then very low lows. And we've seen from experience Red Bull just can't be bothered with it they want consistency they want success they don't want somebody that they can send out and as soon as the lights go out they don't know if they're going to make it round turn one or not so it was a big shock I think for quite a lot of F1 fans and media for Red Bull to literally just go no you're done at Red Bull get out you've been demoted and to bring Max up because like you say although Max had a good first season you know he became the youngest ever driver to start a Grand Prix at the Australian Grand Prix he was 17 year old 17 years old, 166 days, um, had 10 top 10 finishes that year. But still a lot of us were thinking, this he's literally still a kid. He's walking around, he feels like he should have a dummy in his mouth. You know, he's literally a baby and he's being promoted up to Ricard- like next to Ricardo. But <laughs> I mean, evidently we were all very, very wrong at that, uh, making those assumptions because he proved himself literally the first race he got. It's quite funny looking back at the highlights package for the 2016 Spanish Grand Prix on YouTube. And you've got a dramatic opening sequence with uh, Verstappen saying, you know, I'm ready to show myself. I'm ready to show people what I'm made of. And then you have Kvyat saying, I'm going to prove to them that they've made the wrong decision. Fast forward five minutes, Verstappen's won his first race. So it's quite unfortunate, but yeah, good for Verstappen. I'd, I'd love to know how many 17-year-olds still have dummies in their mouths, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it couldn't have gone any worse for, for Kvyat. I it think really? it showed, um, I don't know what you guys think, I think it showed that, for me anyway, that, that decision was more based on Verstappen being good than Kvyat being bad, and they just needed any excuse yeah. to get Verstappen in the car. You know, he had, he had a really good first season. Again, to use the word again, there was still loads of hype around him because he'd scored... Um, you know, an amazing points tally in the Torosso put in some amazing moves and he was already being labelled as the next world champion and then they needed any excuse the fact that Kvyat you know scored a podium in the previous race and had done well you know however much we talk about Albon and Perez you know they gave him a lot of opportunities it wasn't like the first time Albon had an incident they got rid of him so this to me just screamed more 
they just needed Max to get in the car. They wanted Max in the car rather than the fact that they really wanted to demote Fiat. It was just the fact that, you know, they had no option. And we we all know that <laughs> Max Verstappen uh, and his father sort of have played out their path in Formula One are very demanding. And that was I wouldn't be surprised if that was a kind of thing in their contract where they're like, look, you, you know, this guy's a real deal because all the junior teams wanted him and Red Bull could sign him because they had this, you know, path to a top team that they could put him in the car. So, I'd argue it was incredibly savage from Red Bull. Um, perhaps there were some learnings there that they then did with Albon to try and give him a bit more time. But for Kvyat to score a podium in China, which was a great performance, to then obviously having a, a shocker in Russia, but still, you know, Drivers have shockers, and clearly there was an ulterior motive there to get Max in, yeah. as you say. But you know the, how quickly they rushed him in uh, kind of just sealed Danny Kvyat's fate in general, I think, in Formula 1 from there on, because obviously he then never went back to a top team, and now he's not in Formula 1. So for me, I thought it was incredibly it's harsh. It's a big argument, isn't um, it, of <laughs> Red, Red Bull. You know, there's a lot of people now that want to see George Russell in a Mercedes and I'm sure if they replace Bottas with George Russell a lot of people on Twitter would be like oh finally you know it's happened whereas this was very much like got huge huge backlash and it was um very frowned upon because you know they essentially just while it's a great thing that they promoted Verstappen, uh, Verstappen they ruined Fiat's career before it had even really started exactly uh- Let's let's take a look. Unless Katie, you got anything else to add? No, I'm just going to say that you can see it from two sides. You can see it from the business side of Red Bull thinking we want Max in our car because we know it's going to be quick. We know he could even potentially offer us some wins. But then dropping Kvyat in the way they did, like you said, Matt, it was very savage um, and has obviously had repercussions throughout Kvyat's entire career because now he's out of F1. Yeah, which is unfortunate because, he, to be fair, even the end of last year he was showing some promise, but it was a little bit too late to, to save his seat, wasn't it, really? Um, anyway, let's take a look at the actual race itself, the 2016 Spanish Grand Prix, and what happened. Um, of course, it being Spain, Catalonia, testing track, Mercedes 1-2 in quali, uh, with Ricardo third and Verstappen fourth. Uh, but then we have one of the biggest incidents I can remember, uh, in, in recent times between two teammates uh, and it was Rosberg and Hamilton colliding at turn four on lap one. Uh, of course, uh, I think whatever. Yeah. So Rosberg went into energy saving mode, didn't he? And then he went defensive. Hamilton tried to. Yeah. That, yeah. And then Hamilton tried to go up the inside. Rosberg covered it, but covered it too much. Hamilton then went on the grass and they both crashed into each other, which, you know, I think is basically Red Bull's wet dream. <laughs> and um yeah it was it was crazy to watch it um and you know th- there's lots of arguments of you know Rosberg was in the wrong start mode and that's why he went into energy saving in the completely wrong at the completely wrong time and uh yeah it was it was a bit crazy wasn't it it was absolutely wild i remember <laughs> i remember this day well because it was my first wedding anniversary and we were actually about to leave um and go away for a, like a, a trip somewhere and uh, just before the start of the race we were like packing up ready to go and we pretty much planned on like oh we won't watch the race we'll watch it another time 
because um, yeah, it's because it's, it's Spain exactly, yeah, and this Spain. was obviously before I knew that Verstappen was going to be uh, driving for Red Bull as well. And uh, before we left, Katie was like, um, "I was, you know, the race is just about to start. Shall we stay? Because I feel like if Verstappen gets a podium, you'll be like gutted you missed it." So we're like, "All right, we'll watch the start, see how it goes." And then the Mercedes crash into each other. It's like, "Yeah, let's stay." <laughs> so we sat and watched the whole race and like can you imagine if i'd got there and just like checked the result and it's like verstappen wins i'd be like what because this was the this was the era where you know mercedes we we complain about it now how good they are i feel like 2016 was almost something else like they were so far ahead i mean looking at looking at qualifying they were like verstappen was in fourth and he was a second off pole like the Mercedes were just it, it was basically they would finish one two every single race without fail unless something happened so mm. yeah well I mean talking of being a particular fan girl or whatever we said at the beginning of the podcast I was a big supporter of Nico Rosberg's um and so for me this accident just happened in slow motion as I'm <laughs> sure it probably did for most F1 fans but yeah Ham- uh, Hamilton obviously started on pole 52nd pole of his career but Rosberg got around him um in turn one but yes that crash happening I just couldn't believe my eyes and it's one of those things that you can't really in my opinion put blame on either driver I think it was one of those things Rosberg. that they both <laughs> uh, but I think they both had similar thought processes uh and as a result there wasn't a, a blame to put on either driver who, I think who, who are you blaming tommy i'd say 70 percent rosberg's fault because he knew he was in the wrong engine mode and he just turned in yeah. on hamilton to uh, hamilton's actually really lucky that he spun on the grass and took rosberg out because essentially like <laughs> the world championship would have been long over um obviously it went down to the last race and Rosberg ended up winning it but I feel like that was the year Rosberg won all the opening races and that and you know he'd got in yeah. front of Hamilton again and it was like if anything it was good for Hamilton that he managed to yeah at least wipe him out because otherwise it would have been you know a 25 point swing in Rosberg's favour probably yeah anyway back to the actual story itself uh, so Ricardo led Verstappen from Sainz, Vettel, and Raikkonen. To this day, I still don't understand how Carlos Sainz ended up third. Yeah. Like, it's so say, weird. He was, he was, in the yeah, he was eighth on the grid as well, and I don't really get it, but there he was in third. So it's a Red Bull one, two, three. Oh, yeah, very true. Um, and when we get to the pit stops, Ricardo and Vettel went for a three-stop strategy, while Verstappen and Raikkonen went for a two-stop, um, and, and Ricardo dropped behind Vettel in his final stop, to fourth uh tried overtaking but of course it's it's catalonia uh, so ricardo basically just got stopped you know stuck basically uh whilst verstappen making that two-stop work pretty much yeah, can you imagine it? what poor kvyat was thinking after he got demoted um his first race back that's the thing even <laughs> kvyat could have won that race like you, you know you can't you can't say oh you know this was a verstappen masterclass kvyat could have you know considering he got a podium at china he could have easily been in the mix there as well. Yeah, he he was. And then his whole uh, career turns around. 30, so he qualified thirteenth, and what must he have been thinking when he saw that it's a Red Bull one two three? Like just, <laughs> and he's not involved in it. He must be absolutely gutted. But um, this was this was kind of one of those classic races where you had two Ferraris and two Red Bulls in the pack, and Ferrari were behind, so Red Bull were nervous that 
Vettel would try a different strategy and it would leave him vulnerable, you know, to the undercut. So they put Ricardo on a three stop strategy, which we'll go into later that he was kind of less than happy about. Um, and eventually that dropped him to fourth, like like you mentioned. Uh, and this was the famous overtake or not an overtake, like you say, because it's Catalonia and you can't overtake. Uh, Ricardo was stuck behind Vettel for ages, made a move, couldn't make it stick, uh, ran over the sausage curbs uh, at turn one. And this was the famous Vettel radio where he said, what are we doing racing or ping pong? Uh, which was Great yeah, a classic radio. moment. Nice. I love how you're driving a Formula One car and ping pong comes <laughs> into your head. Of all the sports. So random, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah, I love it. But the pit stops did play a massive part in the uh, strategy and Verstappen uh, getting a, a bit of a head start on his first F1 race because he only had the two stops, like we say. Ricardo had the three stop. Uh, but when Ricardo did pit first, Verstappen became the first Dutchman to lead a Grand Prix. I mean, if you look at Max Verstappen's Wikipedia page, he has all of these first things that he's accomplished uh mostly because he was very young when he he started f1 but yeah like you say ricardo wasn't best pleased at the fact that he was put on a three-stop when verstappen was given a two-stop so coming up to the final few laps now and uh, well it sounds like i'm commentating um and raikkonen uh, was within drs of verstappen i'm sure tommy was sweating buckets at this point but then it's Spain, so he basically needs to be within point one of a second uh, to do anything around this track. I've, I've never been. Uh, I've never been more course, thankful you know, for the Barcelona chicane. <laughs> 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 and the thing is, you know, it's a huge amount of pressure for a seventeen-year-old. Seventeen was he eighteen 17, at the time. Yeah, seventeen. So seventeen-year-old, and he was leading a Grand Prix. He gets the the Red Bull shot that, of course, he's been dreaming about, and he's got Kimi Räikkönen behind him, a world champion. Uh, and you know that in just obviously like I said that Kvyat could have been in the same sort of scenario but for Verstappen to show that metal at such a young age uh, was was hugely impressive uh, and of course behind that you had Vettel closing on the, the pair of them uh, but but wasn't enough and of course again you know it doesn't matter if he would have caught anyway because Spain and uh, a few other things that well I mean Daniel Ricciardo we've already mentioned is, is wasn't particularly happy uh, after the race and I'm sure that didn't help things when uh, he got a puncture uh, with with two laps to go, uh, so he's on a three stop. wasn't even trying to shred his tires, and he's the one that gets the puncture. Yeah, uh, I I will just say it was eighteen. Actually, I he uh, was eighteen years old. Sorry, oh. before the before the comments. Okay. Yeah, no, no worries. Before it's the, fine. Uh, I know more about you, uh, Max, than you become, do. Cool. Come flying in. Fan. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So Raikkonen, yeah, put put pressure on Vettel, but sorry, Verstappen, but just couldn't couldn't get past him. You know, he had DRS, but it'd have to be an absolutely wild move and. Raikkonen's much more like if it had been the other way around maybe you would have seen a Verstappen dive bomb where he would have either crashed <laughs> into the side of him or or won the race uh, but Raikkonen you know thought better of it and couldn't really get close enough to make a legitimate overtake um, but yeah Ricardo would have was understandably fuming because he was in the lead we mentioned earlier that Mercedes won two every single race. It's very rare that you're going to get a win if you're not in a Mercedes in this era of Formula One. And he was in the lead and, you know, ends up fourth because of pit stops. And tinfoil hat, was it, were, were they trying to make Max win? <laughs> well, yeah, we'll go into that later because that is another uh, interesting 
theory, I guess. But the, the funny thing as well, I just realized that the next race, I think, after 2016 Spain was the 2016 Monaco Grand Prix when they didn't have his tires mm-hmm. ready. So that probably didn't like help either. That's probably why he was in an even bigger mood. It's it's kind of famous the only time we've seen Daniel Ricciardo not smiling really, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, fuming um, when he lost the Monaco win. So, yeah, it was it's it was a fairly easy victory for Verstappen in the end when you look back at it. But it's kind of like, I guess you'd say maybe Gasly's win this year, where you watch it back and you're like, well, you know, he once he was in the lead, he never got close to being overtaken really, and. But but when you're watching it live, it's the the pressure, isn't it? And it's exciting because it's someone new leading the race, and yeah, oh, like Monza, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. You know, with yeah, with Gasly, exactly. You know, there was no side by side action, but it was the tension, wasn't it? It was like, oh my god, is Verstappen really going to win on his Red Bull debut? But yeah, ended up. You got to got to remember as well, like we say, Verstappen was so. Uh, new really in comparison to somebody like Raikkonen who is a world champion so there was a lot of pressure on his very young shoulders but uh, Verstappen managed to make it work it's it's funny looking back because we always joke about how the Spanish Grand Prix is normally the most dull on the calendar maybe apart from Sochi but even with this there was a little bit of excitement obviously the first bit being the two Mercedes taking each other out but uh, Kimi trying to hunt down Verstappen um, to take that win away from him but in the end Kimi blamed the lack of downforce while following as the reason why he had been unable to pass Verstappen that probably and just the way that the track is laid out I would imagine and then yeah you've got a feel for Ricardo who got that puncher with two laps to go he just had the most unbelievable luck and like you say Tommy probably uh, caused something in his brain to start thinking about the future with Red Bull because like we say uh was this done deliberately to put Ricardo on the three stop and Max on the two stop? We'll never know. Okay, can I can I put my tinfoil hat on now, okay, Tommy? Yeah. Is this yeah, an adequate for time for? Yeah, all good. Okay, well, you know, did they do it? Did... <laughs> <laughs> was was this was this on purpose? Uh, and you know, Tommy, of course, you'll say no because you know you're a big Max Verstappen believer uh, in in every form. I yeah, and uh, I don't I don't think they're person. I don't think any team would personally actually try and um harm another driver's yeah. race you know a lot of people say that you know with Vettel and Ferrari you know Ferrari were trying to make Leclerc number one and of course you know Leclerc has a longer contract but you know why would there's no reason to to you know affect another your other driver's uh, performance I think it's the same here of course they want Verstappen to win and and with the two-stop of course that his side of the garage are trying to win the race um, with the three stop, I guess you know there are questions to be asked, but I just don't because he didn't even finish second, did he, Ricardo? And of course mm. he had the puncture anyway. But Red Bull want a one-two in that situation every single day of the week. The, don't the they? thing is, you've got to give Red Bull the benefit of the doubt that if Vettel had pitted, come out and was absolutely flying, Ricardo then either has to stay out, which you you know if he gets a puncture, you'd say what what's he doing? And he's missed the chance to to counter Vettel because Vettel's going to get the undercut. It's one of those unfortunate situations where, because there's a pack really close together, I think was it um, Singapore 
2019 where Vettel let for, uh, managed to like leapfrog Leclerc, even though Leclerc and then Leclerc was quite annoyed about it because he should have got the the strategy and they pitted yeah. him and then Vettel got the the leap and stuff and it's kind of similar situation to that a little bit I guess there's not a difference in strategy but they had to think about Vettel you know it's, it's not like they just pitted him for no reason they they when you're in that situation they're probably thinking you know we need to to get a win here but there's no doubt while I don't think it was done on purpose I wouldn't be surprised if it was maybe the first little bit of doubt creeping into Ricardo's mind that, you know, there's this young kid here that Red Bull are so happy with that they've booted someone out just to get him in the car. And now I've been screwed over on strategy. He's won the race. He's now the youngest driver in Formula One history, which is amazing for all their marketing. Uh, You know, he's going to be breaking records and, you know, later down the line, the Baku crash and all that kind of stuff. It all it all adds up, doesn't it, into your into your mind. Totally. I think like you say, the marketing side of things, this was an absolute perfect opportunity for Red Bull with Max winning the race. Obviously you have the whole story before he'd even crossed the finish line and got that first place position with the dropping of Kavia and the promotion and it it without a doubt was worldwide news you know it probably made it onto the evening news because maybe it was a a slow news day but I can remember it being on BBC and and being discussed because like you say he was now the youngest winner and everything that came along with it but in in terms of if it was done on purpose I don't think so because Matt you're bang on in saying that why would Red Bull sacrifice a potential one-two you know both Mercedes were out of the race come lap one this was the perfect opportunity to completely maximise their points haul. And that wasn't the case uh, with the the end result, obviously. But yes, I think if you're Daniel Ricciardo, you can probably see the other side of the garage, how much love and admiration there is for this new kid who's literally just rocked up in your garage. And uh, perhaps there was a little bit of doubt in the back of his mind. Fuming, absolutely fuming. Um, Well, that's pretty much it. We've uh, covered the whole of the 2016 Spanish Grand Prix, it feels like. Blames and all sorts. So there's lots of things uh, I'm sure people will agree and disagree with, with what we've said. Uh, so please be sure to to get involved in the comments section. Um, do you think it was on purpose uh, that uh, that Red Bull wanted Verstappen to win? Um, who knows? But uh, either way, I don't personally believe it. And it doesn't seem like either of the other two do either. Tommy, final thoughts? <laughs> Um, I, I did actually just think of another example that that is kind of similar to where uh, Imola last year, where Hamilton managed to get what turned out to be a better strategy and win, where Bottas was the unfortunate thing where he had to react to stay ahead, um, and then Hamilton, because he's behind, could get a uh, could try something different, and then it paid off, and that's exactly what. I think personally happened with Verstappen. It wasn't them trying to get Ricardo out of the way. It was just look, we need to split the strategy, and uh, Verstappen ended up on the best strategy because we no- we haven't mentioned actually that Vettel was five seconds behind at the finish despite making an extra pit stop. So it wasn't miles off. You know, if they were twenty, if he was twenty seconds behind, you'd be like, that's the worst strategy in the world. But he was catching. And the them. fact Vettel went for the three stop. Yeah, as so well, Vettel right? went you know, for it. It shows that other teams thought it. Yeah, was it wasn't like they just completely just sold Ricardo out and went get out of the way of Max, putting you on a three stop, and then he finishes fourth. You know, 
Vettel's strategy almost worked. He was flying through the field. Um, you know, maybe without Ricardo racing him, he might have caught right back up uh, to them. So it was very touch and go. So yeah, I don't don't believe there was anything. So was that your final thoughts then? Are we calling that your final thoughts? Uh, my final thoughts is let's hope Red Bull can challenge this year because I want to see Verstappen at the front again challenging. Really? Every year, every Why? year we hope. <laughs> every year we hope, every year we're let down. Uh, Katie, what about you? My final thoughts is that I cannot believe this was five years ago. That, yeah, it seems absolutely true. balmy. That it, it literally feels like it happened last week or last month. Of course it does for you because it scarred you that Rosberg was crashed out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, it's mad to think that it's been five years since this accident, five, or five years since Rosberg retired this year, um, and that Max Verstappen has been in F1 for, this is my bad point, matter, six, seven years? Seven? Now? Six and seven years. He's been in... Six <laughs> slash seven. My, math is really not my strong point. Go on, what's the, what's the equation, Katie? Seven. Come on. Seventh year Two. in F1. Seven, yeah, seven. That's a career. Big maths. That is that is mad. Yeah. Seventh season in Formula One, and how how old is he now? And he's and he's fourteen. Uh, he is yeah. twenty three, which is normally the age like people get into Formula One a lot of the time. And yeah, another thought actually, Verstappen's records may never be broken because you mentioned we mentioned earlier about the the whole the the super, super license, license points course, yeah. and there's age limits now, <laughs> and the fact that they put this in it was almost like a Verstappen rule, and then he's proved everyone wrong and won won the race and done done that at the age, the young age so yeah perfect my final thoughts is yes more drama please thank you especially around <laughs> yes. spain about uh, as good uh, as which you I think get. is very it's very wishful yeah. thinking isn't it uh, having any sort of drama around <laughs> spain anyway that's it thank you so much uh, to, to you all for watching and listening uh, make sure to get involved in the conversation hashtag WTF1 podcast for any suggestions for future that time whens or any questions uh, for our normal podcast as well um, and well of course give us a like if you enjoyed it uh, give us a five stars or whatever as you know we deserve nothing less and that's it we're done we're finished we're good we're one month away almost yeah. until Formula 1 returns hopefully fingers crossed and uh we can all get back in front of our TVs on a Sunday afternoon. Lovely. That's a lovely final thought. Lovely. There you go. Wonderful. Beautiful. Thanks so much, everybody. Goodbye, Katie Bye. and Tommy. See you Bye. soon. Bye. Bye.